Good evening, good afternoon to uh, our different viewers all around the world. Um, welcome to our first live market commentary uh, with Stash Ray here. Uh, this is where we talk about the latest developments in the market and we share our thoughts uh, about them. So uh, my name is Albert and I am the Deputy Country Manager in Stash Ray Malaysia. Uh, we are joined today uh, with uh, Stephanie, who is our Co-Chief Investment Officer. And uh, how are you today, Steph? I'm good. Uh, how are you? I'm good too. Doing well. And uh, it's been a very uh, rocky rocky ride for our markets uh, this past few weeks. And uh, well, since uh, this, this session is a live session, it's the first live session that we're doing. Um, you know, for those who are tuning in today, uh, if you have any questions, uh, please do post them in the chat box and uh, we'll get back to you. Um, all right. So... Um, starting off for, for this uh, live session, I want to uh, zoom in on or focus on something that really uh, took off or really held a lot of our attention at the start of the year. And uh, that was uh, about the Russia-Ukraine war. So uh, besides the impact uh, on humanity, you know, lives lost, uh, there's also been huge impact on the prices of various things that we do pay for. So things like energy, metals, food, which are inputs uh, to various product, uh, various goods uh, and services that we do consume. So uh, we've seen prices like wheat, uh, which are you know, key exports out of Russia and Ukraine. We've seen prices of oil, fertilizer shoot up given the war itself. So um, this has had a big bearing on our daily lives and uh, focusing more specifically on natural gas itself. Right, uh, there's uh, well, talks that you know, there are concerns about limited gas supply in Europe as a result of this uh, war that's taking place in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and so, you know, if you see some people are worried, some people are not worried, meaning uh, those who are worried says that, okay, you know, 40% of Europe's uh, natural gas supply comes from Russia. So if this war deteriorates further, then there could be you know, implications on energy demand and energy supply in Europe. On the other side, we also have, uh, you know, people who are not so worried because they say, okay, gas uh, storage levels in Europe are up to 83% of their total capacity. So normally 80% is the minimum threshold. So you know, given all these things that's been happening, Steph, you know, what, is this something to be worried about, um, you know, whether that could be a, an oncoming energy crunch in Europe itself? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very, very topical um, question. And uh, obviously, the market has been paying a lot of attention to it. And if you read the news headline, you would see that I mean, Russia is uh, threatening, or there are signs that they will stop like, gas uh, uh, going through the pipelines uh, into Germany. And this is aggregated by the fact that, that I mean, we're going into winter. So uh, some of you may know or may not know, but um, like natural gas LNG is mostly used in Europe for heating in the winter. So there's a lot of talks about or concerns about oh. Europeans will have no gas to go through winter, uh, and that would create a lot of uh, social problems, of course, and force pol politicians uh, to reconsider their stance uh, versus uh, uh, on, on the Russian-Ukraine war. Having said that, if we look at the data, as Albert currently pointed out, um, what matters today is kind of what kind of inventory level uh, is, um, is present at uh, different European countries. And interestingly, if we look at the uh, infantry buildup, 
uh, in the summer, it's actually been quite healthy. So despite all the headline news, gas has been flowing into Europe. And uh, as of uh, today, um, Europe is actually at uh, 83% of the infantry. And that is actually within the historical band of uh, where the normal infantry should be. So, I mean, this year is not, I guess, particularly uh, uh, difficult compared to previous years. And actually, the inventory level today is better than what we had last year in Europe. So um, barring a, a escalation of um, the, uh, I guess, the Russian-Ukraine situation and then also a very, very cold winter, actually, Europe would have enough gas to get through the winter. And if you look at kind of also one detail, uh, one level lower uh, in, in more detail, different countries actually have different uh, exposures. So among the bigger countries, uh, Germany, of course, has uh, the most exposure to uh, Russian gas, but uh, France, uh, UK, or other kind of like more major economies actually have a lower exposure uh, in terms of uh, Russian gas. So I guess when you look at the headlines, um, uh, I mean, newspaper or media like to just kind of um, put out all these uh, very, very concerning headlines, but when you actually dig a little bit deeper, uh, the the facts are actually um, uh, more supportive of a of of, uh, of a more normal situation. Yeah, thanks, Steph. I'd like to build up on that point. You mentioned that okay, you know, winter is coming, right? So, given sufficient supplies, there shouldn't be too much to worry about. But as um, what we've seen in the past few months, um, also is that uh, inflation in Europe has hit an all time high. So it's at about. Uh, around 9.1% reported in August itself. And if you look at Europe itself, it's heavily driven uh, by energy spending, which accounts for roughly about 12% of uh, Europe's GDP compared to 5% itself. So you know, if, if winter does come, and well, if winter is coming, but you know, if winter is coming and Russia actually limits the amount of gas supply to Europe, you know, is that... Uh, is that an issue? Is could could we see Europe enter a recession? Note that you know we the the latest GDP print coming out of uh, Europe in the second quarter was about three point nine percent, and forecasts are for it to to be a bit you know lower going into uh, the end of twenty twenty two and to be about growing at zero point nine percent next year. So, um, yeah. what are your thoughts on this, uh, Steph? You know, in terms of Europe entering a recession and also potentially higher interest rates uh, coming out of it as a result of higher inflation. Yeah. So I guess even though we mentioned that, I mean, it's, uh, it's the, I mean, there, 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 there has been an acceleration, uh, uh, exaggeration of the gas supply issues. Uh, the major issue concerning Europe is in, indeed that the central bank uh, needs to start hiking the interest rates. And in fact, I mean, we've seen the ECB hiking 75 basis points. Uh, and that is, um, both pressure by uh, the rising inflation and also the fact that the Fed has been very, very aggressive in raising interest rates. In fact, I mean, this it has been one of the fastest cycles where the Fed has raised interest rates. So then, I mean, the, the, uh, the fact that the Fed has been acting so aggressively actually puts a lot of pressure on other central banks to act as well. And mostly, I mean, ECB is hiking uh, uh, kind of in a more lagged manner, but it has to hike. The problem is that U.S. is actually in a much better economic situation than Europe uh, in terms of the uh, that kind of the economic growth and employment, etc. Uh, not to mention that U.S. is also uh, self uh, kind of dependent, uh, independent uh, in terms of the energy um, uh, production. 
So uh, European uh, policymakers, and in particular the ECB, has a very, very tough job uh, because they need to hike, but the economy is actually weakening. Uh, if you look at the Germany uh, manufacturing uh, PMI numbers, they have been weak for a number of months already, and it's actually in contraction uh, territory. Uh, so uh, what we're more concerned about is actually Europe going into a recession, uh, and uh, this will be go- they will be going into a recession ahead of a, uh, a potential U.S. recession, and probably a deeper recession than uh, what's going on uh, in in the U.S. So I think that is a major concern. And if you look at the, I guess currencies, I mean, Euro- the, the the fact that I mean euro has broken uh, below parity actually reflects the market's concern on that as well. Yeah, so that's that's one of the big things too that we have seen uh, euro uh, or euro falling below one dollar, uh, which is a pretty pretty uh, uh, huge matter, uh, given what's been happening there. So uh, we've been talking about uh, you know the various things, inflation, risk of recession in Europe. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit towards the U.S. because uh, this week itself. We uh, had had pretty pretty big news coming out of there. Uh, we had the inflation print uh, for US uh, for the month of August uh, coming in at about eight point three percent. So this is the headline inflation. So whereas core inflation itself was up about six point three percent. So um, what's interesting about this is this all happened on the back of oil prices declining, and so um, we've seen at the same time. Uh, there's been a broad-based increase in other goods out there, um, excluding oil itself. So when this data came out, I think it was on Wednesday itself, um, we had markets, uh, well, they didn't really take this news piece of news very well. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a big fall uh, in, in markets. So uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think, uh, what are your thoughts on this, Steph? You know, uh, could we see further rate hikes? We've seen uh, predictions of 100 basis points coming, uh, potentially coming next week. So yeah, ha- happy to hear more about uh, you know, what you think about this. Yeah, I guess so let's, I mean, maybe take, that uh, in take that question in, in several steps. So first of all, let's look at the data itself. So uh, as as Albert correctly mentioned, um, the headline number uh, was actually quite stable from previous months, but it was the uh, core inflation number that really caught people off guard. Uh, and if you look at, I guess what the market is concerned about is the month on month number on the core CPI. So in terms of um, the 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 market's kind of expectation going into CPI number was that basically uh, uh, inflation should peak sometime in 2023, and uh, if uh, if you kind of uh, put in different uh, scenarios of the month on month number ranging from like month on month growing 0.1 percent to 0.2 or even to 0.4, uh, that would imply on a year on year basis that inflation should peak sometime in 2023 because of the higher base uh, effect. However, the month-on-month number actually came in at 0.6%. So this actually blew past like, all the expectations. And if you do a projection of 0.6% month-on-month uh, like, uh, going forward for the next 12 months, you would actually not see inflation peaking uh, in the very short term. So that was kind of the big mismatch between the market's expectation and the data that came up. Uh, and what's causing all these like very very sticky like core inflation? It's uh, basically wages uh, and uh, and and also kind of other components, for example, housing. So uh, I guess previously when we're looking at inflation, it was a lot of goods inflation uh, because of COVID reopening um, and and people kind of spending more money uh, on buying goods. Now that's shifted to services, 
which actually puts pressure on wages, which is kind of the more like sticky part of things. And uh, this is what is driving the Fed to actually tighten because the Fed wants to tighten enough such that demand comes off and demands for not just goods, but also for services to come off. Uh, more people will have to go to work and that would kind of release the pressure on the labor side. Uh, and uh, what Powell has ma made very, very clear is that the Fed is actually also data dependent. So the Fed's action is depending on what the data sets. And uh, after the CPI print, actually the market expectation for um, uh, for the next Fed meeting had shot up uh, uh, instantly. And now we're pricing in uh, a, for example, a 30 to 40% uh, chance of 100 basis points. And for sure, they, they will do 75 basis points. So uh, I guess, I mean, what does this mean uh, in terms of asset classes or markets? And of course, like on that day, the S&P fell 4%, NASDAQ fell 5%. But uh, I would also remind everyone to maybe zoom out a little bit. So if you kind of take a one-week view, basically the market did nothing. It was a round trip because there was expectation going in building that the CPI may be a good number. And it turned out that it wasn't what the market was looking for. Therefore, um, the market fell again. And actually, if you zoom out like, even longer on a three-month time horizon, also the market didn't do anything, uh, at least equity markets. Uh, it kind of fell like, in, in June, there was a bottom and a rally back in July and first half of August because of the uh, kind of peaking inflation expectation. And now it's back to square one again. So where does it take us? Uh, again, it's, it's back to data. And I guess one month of data is too short to really say, oh, are we looking at um, like P inflation um, not coming in 2023 because these data can be quite volatile from month on month basis. And hence, that is why the market is so nervous. Like that is why, for example, like September, November are typically the most volatile parts of the year because uh, a lot of like important decisions are getting made. Uh, the Fed just came back from like a two month um, uh, break in terms of meetings. So uh, you will see a lot of volatility. And I think the best thing to do is to just kind of maybe take a step back. Don't look at it from a day-to-day -day basis, but think about your long-term time horizons. Again, is a few things that we've talked about like kind of repeatedly. Uh, for example, understand your risk. Know that if the market falls, I mean, you are in the right, right risk buckets uh, with your portfolios and stocks and holdings. Uh, and then number two, uh, understand if you are, um, if you have a long-term goal, and you've, you've set up like, for example, a DCA, or you, you like to set up a DCA to kind of reach a long-term goal, uh, just stick to your goals. And, uh, and, and I guess over the long-term, as history has repeatedly shown, um, asset classes, markets, uh, be it equities or bonds, I mean, they tend to go over the long-term. So yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's a long answer to your question, but, um, uh, I, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's, these are interesting times, uh, very, very sensitive times. And the market is very, very nervous. We have a, a question that relates to what you just talked about here. So from one of the listeners, uh, he asked, you know, what, given this uh, hawkish stance that we're seeing from Jay Powell on inflation, you know, do we foresee any uh, another outcome of uh, reoptimizations by Stashaway to protect their portfolios for you know, potential scenarios coming up? Yeah, so that is a great question. So the uh, Stashaway reoptimizations are triggered by changes in the economic regimes. And these regimes, uh, as a quick reminder, are defined by growth uh, and inflation um, uh, numbers. 
And we monitor a range of uh, economic data to come up with kind of to determine where we are in the cycle. Uh, I guess as of as of today, uh, the regimes are still in uh, inflationary growth. And particularly if you look at the US, I mean, data is still quite strong. Uh, however, it's also kind of, uh, it's also weakening. So it's on a deceleration path. And uh, at some point when the Fed tight tightens enough, uh, the, the, the US growth numbers would start to deteriorate. And that is when a reoptimization would be triggered, uh, either into a stagflation regime if inflation is still high, or into a recession regime when inflation actually starts to fall with the slowing growth. Uh, historically, stagflation regimes tend to be very, very short-lived, because if you think about the Fed's action, uh, the more they hike, uh, the faster inflation uh, and growth will start to come off. Because when growth in a recession uh, it's very, very hard to get inflation because there's no demand for goods and services. People are out of their jobs, et cetera. So that's why stagflation is actually a very, very short regime, which uh, we expect to pass through, but could be uh, quite transitory. But um, the, I mean, the, 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 the reaction function is clearly that good news, good economic news is actually bad news for markets because good uh, GDP news or good growth data actually prompts the Fed uh, to hike more, and the market would then have to push back the expectation of when does the Fed start to reverse their monetary policy. I guess still staying on the topic about portfolios, um, we have a question here from Kartik. Uh, is asking about you know bonds itself um, because we our portfolios do have some bond positioning. Uh, we've seen bonds uh, this year; they have you know suffered a major loss in the portfolios, despite them you know, playing a, a role as a cushion inside them. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on you know, having bonds uh, as a component in portfolios uh, for stash away? Yeah, so I mean, bonds historically has been a good protective asset most of the time except for a very, very uh, strong, except for a very strong inflationary regime. And also the fact that, I mean, we're starting from a very, very low bond yield level. So, I mean, this year, bonds have not been a very good protective asset. In fact, I mean, bonds has gone down just as much as equity and like bond volatilities have been very, very high. However, if you think about the Fed cycle, um, once they are successful in slowing growth, uh, then the, the, um, the bond equity relationship should revert to a negative correlation, meaning uh, when the Fed actually starts to uh, tighten enough, the market starts to worry about a slowing economy. So in a slowing economy, then the Fed will start to uh, actually loosen. And when the Fed loosens, actually interest rate will start coming down. For bonds, when interest rate come down, uh, bonds, bond prices would go up. So... In that case, in a recession scenario, bonds will actually start to outperform equities again because during a recession, uh, it's very hard for companies to make earnings. Some companies actually may not even survive. So, for equity class, uh, for equity as a as a class as a whole, uh, they won't perform very well in a recession. However, uh, bonds will actually perform a lot better. So historically, with what we've seen in the sequence of events is that in a tightening cycle, and both bonds and equities. Uh, would suffer, but I mean, bonds should be the first asset class, especially the long, longer duration bonds should be the first asset class to start to uh, actually recover. So in that case, uh, bond would still be a good protective asset in a multi-asset uh, balance portfolio, and uh, and and that is uh, really dependent on, I guess, 
when the Fed will, when the market will start and start to price in a turn in the monetary policy. All right. So seems like uh, next week will be a big week uh, with uh, potentially uh, rate hikes uh, being announced. And I guess we have one of the a question here from um, Escalate eighty nine. So he's asking about you know what what do you see are the prospects for the healthcare and clean slash green energy sectors in the long run? So this is a little bit different. Uh, this is more specifically on the thematic portfolios that we offer here at Stash Away. Yeah. So, I mean, we have four thematic portfolios to stash away. And these are thematic portfolios um, because these are themes that are we, we're quite uh, excited about and optimistic about for the long term. I, long term meaning like, not, not just like six months or not even like five years. It's kind of like a 10-year time horizon or above. And I, I think it's if you think about kind of the underlying uh, thesis, for example, uh, ESG or, or uh, environmental, uh, there is definitely a push for um, governments, and not I, I and 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 I guess not just European governments. I'm um, given the Russian Ukraine war, but also globally. Uh, for example, the U.S. just passed a, a climate bill. There is a push that globally um, uh, governments and corporations should invest more in uh, uh, ESG and and also a climate um, related investments uh, in particular. So that is kind of what drives the underlying growth for the companies that helps to push uh, ESG forward. Uh, and then also from an investor side, there's also a lot of um, uh, push for big asset allocators uh, to allocate to ESG-related investments as well. So you have also demand for ESG investments. Uh, and then for healthcare, uh, of course, like globally, uh, aging population is a big problem. And uh, I think from the COVID experience, we've also seen that innovation in um, in kind of medicine and also uh, fields like um, uh, biotechnology are advancing very, very quickly. And these are, I mean, not just, I, I guess, not just one technology, but also combination of different technology. For example, I mean, AI is being used in drug research and that accelerates kind of the pace of a lot of different uh, drug development and research, uh, including like the COVID vaccines, very very quickly, and that would for sure like benefit the companies that are involved in these innovation areas. And hence, I mean, healthcare uh, is uh, one growth area that we see sustainable growth. Uh, I guess also healthcare tends to be a bit more defensive uh, within the equity space uh, because. If you think about it, it doesn't matter what the kind of what kind of economic cycle we're in. Like, we still need to like see the doctors. We still need the vaccines. We still need like all the supplements, etc. So it is an area which is quite defensive, um, uh, even during a bear market. Um, so I mean, those are two areas that we're we're quite, uh, I guess, excited about uh, in the long term. And in fact, I mean, this year they have performed quite well. All right, thanks, Steph. So, seems like you know, with all these thematic portfolios, keys to you know have a, a pretty long term time frame when you invest with them, and also to know you know okay, you know, do those uh, teams jive with your long term beliefs, right? Whether they could play out in uh, over time, because the risk of all these te teams is that uh, we don't know. It may take time for adoption. Some may fail. Some um, may work or succeed along the way. So um, that is uh, how you should think about thematic portfolios. Um, it's we're coming to to an end already because we are short of time. Um, so 
Um, that's really it. I know there are a couple of more questions from people who are listening live, but if um, we, we have to cut it short due to time constraints. So uh, if you have further questions, um, you know, please do write in to us, support at Stash Away. Um, and uh, maybe for those who are interested, next week itself, we are doing a webinar uh, with uh, BlackRock. So for those of you who may have heard or may not have heard, uh, we launched BlackRock portfolios very recently. And uh, so next week's session, we will be doing one with BlackRock itself where they go through you know, why every investor needs a broad market exposure portfolio. So that takes place on the 20th of September at uh, 7 p.m. Singapore time. Uh, so you know, if you are able to make it, you know, happy to have you there. Happy to hear uh, from you if you have any questions for those sessions. Um, but in terms of tonight's uh, you know, live market commentary, our very first one, you know, that is that is it for this evening. Um, I really like to thank uh, everyone for dialing in tonight, uh, for you know, asking questions, and also like to thank Steph for taking the time to explain uh, her thoughts on the various topics that we just gone through. All right. Thank you, Albert, for hosting, and uh, thank you, everyone, for dialing in. If you have any suggestions for us, please feel free to reach out to us uh, uh, via uh, WhatsApp, email, or call us. So thank you, and have a great night. Take care, everybody. Good night.